the number one thing I think we're missing is truth, but the second thing we're missing is nuance. And you create nuance by listening and you create nuance by like having varied understanding. Hey, we need to have actual relationships with people. B, we need to have more relationships with people that are different than us. C, we need to be okay with being wrong. And D, we need to have nuance. And E, we need to really focus on truth. You know, education and poverty and violence go hand in hand. And why is it that disproportionately people of color have less access to it? My, if my goal was to make him feel heard and try to empower him, I did that. If my goal was to make him a version of what I thought he should be, then I didn't achieve that. But like, why should I have that in the first place? Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Seeking Peace by Beauty Saves, a podcast that explores grace, justice, and reconciliation. My name's Aaron, and this is my wife, Kaylee. Hey, guys. Uh, and today we have part two of our conversation with Andre Leroux. Uh If you missed it and you didn't catch part one uh, of this episode or of this conversation with Andre, you definitely want to go back and check that out. It was a really good conversation with him, just getting to know him and his background. Um, Andre is a photographer. He was an Adobe Creative resident, did a bunch of really cool things. He is a Jamaican-American, was born in Jamaica, came to the United States when he was really young, uh, and just had really great insight, a really cool story, and talked about the projects that he worked on in part one of this conversation. But in part two, uh, we get to talk to Andre a little bit more about how he approaches tough conversations. And Kaylee, you, you know Andre a little bit better than I do, and that's something that he does really well and just brings in a lot of insight in. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons. I mean, Andre has a really cool story. So, of course, I wanted to talk to him to hear his story and to, for him to share his story with you guys. But at the same time, I think he very gracefully maneuvers tough conversations, um, even through social media. And I think I really respect that about Andre, the fact that he um, he really comes into conversations with um, grace, but also has a balance of you know, not, not letting himself be a doormat or get walked all over. Uh, he definitely has a heart for justice and a, and a heart for, for p pursuing, um, what's right, but also he's very empathetic when doing that. So he gives a really, really good tips for how to have conversations with people maybe that you disagree with. He talks about things in the micro and things in the macro and, and how they affect one another. That's really, really interesting. This, the first the first part of this conversation is really, really interesting, but but here we get into really kind of the nitty gritty on um, on some really cool topics. Yeah, so let's jump right in. This is part two of our conversation with Andre Loro. You know, I, I think I read on there you mentioned a lot the phrase uh, a sense of place, mm -hmm. and you know I can remember I used to work for a company that worked in affordable housing, mm -hmm. and uh, one of my first trips when I worked for the company was to go to Savannah. And Savannah, you know, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. So I had been to Savannah a couple of times. We went together, and we went to like the touristy part of Savannah. Super nice, you know. You got the old houses that have fancy restaurants and everything. And that was my perception of Savannah. Um, and then I went on work to go to visit a site where they were going to proposing to build an affordable housing complex. And a lot of affordable housing developments are in areas where there's a lot of poverty, usually a lot of crime, and it was, it, it kind of 
shook me because I'm like, I didn't know areas like this existed in Savannah. When I thought of Savannah, I thought this touristy area. And had I not, because just like Kaylee was talking about privilege too, I'm, I'm Mexican-American, but I definitely have white privilege too. My, my parents made a lot of money. I grew up in a great neighborhood. And had I not done something to kind of get myself out of my typical lane or whatever you want to call it, I never would have, have even seen any of that. And I think a lot of people, they just kind of go with the flow through life. And if you're a person that has grown up in an area of privilege, that you don't, it's hard to understand. It's hard to see uh, or understand and people some that people come in from the a church different background. don't want to. Like, yeah. I thought it was so interesting that you mentioned that people in the church sometimes have the hardest time admitting yeah, problems mm-hmm. because there's almost this people confuse turn the other cheek and justice, you know, like pe- people confuse. We just read a book um, and it talks about like, God doesn't want you to be walked all over, but like, yes, there's, there's this aspect of turning the other cheek, but that doesn't mean that you're getting walked all over. Like justice is still a very real thing and it's something that God loves and he hates injustice. And so I just find it fascinating that there are so many people in the church that do make excuses and that do just want to live in this idolized world of, you know, everything is sunshine and rainbows when like the, the fact of the matter is the Western church and American church has whitewashed a lot of history and has discriminated. And even like with these things coming out again about Bethel and, and Brian Johnson and, and how he, how black people in his church said like, Hey, you posted this thing and it seemed kind of inconsiderate. And just like, as a member of your congregation, I wanted to let you know that this hurt me. And like for him to just dismiss it, it it's just, it's just baffling to me, but I think that you, Andre, do a really good job of balancing being empathetic with people's stories and pe- where people have come from and realizing that maybe it's a, a, almost a learned ignorance that it's not that it's not always their choice, mm-hmm. um, that some, it's, sometimes it's something that they've learned and you balance that really well with like telling the truth especially like I noticed like, you know, in your like Facebook posts and, and different things, like you do a really, really good job of that. And so I just wanted to, to like ask like what you think the best way of going about those types of conversations are. Oh, there's no win. Honestly. <laughs> All right. We're trying I'm to give people hope story. here, man. <laughs> I'm going to tell this story and I pray this person does not listen to this because on a, at the same time, this is completely their fault. <laughs> so there was a girl that I was her RA in college, love her to death, lovely girl, like really lovely Christian girl. We were in Cicerones together and I didn't seen her in a couple of years. And so I saw her in Atlanta, um, either this year or last year, like late last year or something. And she was like, Hey, we should have dinner. And I'm like, all right, cool. So she picks me up and we drive to go get dinner and we order. And like, if you, if you haven't like heard the parts of this yet, I'm trapped now. So she drove me. I don't really know where we are. And we already ordered food. So I'm <laughs> stuck. And then she's like, I've been really praying about like having this conversation with you. And in my head, I was like, what is about to go out of your mouth right now? Um, but it was just, I was just, something wasn't right. And then she was just like, I just don't understand why like black people are so bitter all the time. And I was like, yo, what is happening right now? 
literally shook. I was like, yo, no, what's happening? Stop, stop it. For everyone, this is this is a not a visual medium, but ever all of us have our mouths agape. What? <laughs> well, and so she was just saying that she felt like I my Facebook, I was complaining a lot about a lot of different things. And on the other side of it, I have a friend who told me that I was softening language all the time when I said, like, sometimes we have to consider how our language affects people that are police officers and feel like they shouldn't even try because they feel hated. They were like, oh, well, you're just doing this to, like, appease your white friends. And so the truth of the matter is this. No one is going to be ever. You can't make everybody happy. But if we can recognize what. A, why we think what we think, and B, that we could be wrong about what we think, it'll help. Because, like, a lot of the things are, like, something... So, all right, so, like, Trump saying that, like, why can't we get people from not countries, in itself, isn't so much of the issue. The issue is that he has the ability to put power to his statement, right? So a lot of times when we talk about um, racism or com complex issues or injustice, someone will say, like, okay, that's fair. But then, like, why are there are a lot of black people that are killing each other? And it's like, okay, that's actually a fair thing to ask. It's not a fair thing to ask in this context, because when you're asking that, you're trying to diminish from a larger problem, especially from whoever this is may not necessarily have the power to change this specific thing. So the thing that I like, so my point in bringing that up is that, like, when this person asked me, I was surprised. But then I was trying to kind of drill down where she was coming from and that what she was frustrated about. So she was just saying that, like, in her mind, a lot of these problems are micro problems. So, like, this person is poor. This person is this. But you were saying something earlier about Savannah where you said this is a really high poverty and high crime area. And I think for some reason we can never seem to figure out that those things are highly, like, correlated. People are like, well, why are these people committing crimes? I'm like, because they're poor, dude. It's not that difficult to figure out. <laughs> if you think you're going to die in, like, by the time you're 25, like, what does it matter if I shoot yeah. somebody? Like, honestly. Like, seriously. Like, what does it matter? And so if you if we can, like, create a level of practicality where we try to think about, A, where someone's mental state is when they make decisions, B, what led to that, and, like, also not ridicule and mock and be rude to people – then there is like a level of like just trying to like not understand this person for some sort of great healing, but to understand them so that there can be like some level of like not common ground, but like actionable ground that we can both stand on. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I forget who it was. I was talking to someone recently and they were saying their dad is a lawyer and he was, we were talking about the Philando Castile thing and her dad was like, yeah, like they shouldn't have shot him, but he also like shouldn't have moved. And I was like, yeah, but like there's a lot, there are like degrees here. And so, the number one thing I think we're missing is truth. But the second thing we're missing is nuance and you create nuance by listening and you create nuance by like having varied understanding. Um, and then you also have to have truth and say like that thing that the president said is incorrect and it's incorrect and it's dangerous for whatever, whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But like conversationally, like the best way for it to come out well is to listen a lot, but also like, listening to somebody is like giving them credence but like if someone says something stupid be like that doesn't make any sense like she at one point told me that um she'd voted for trump and she was really embarrassed about it and she's like i didn't think it was gonna be this bad and i was like that is one of the few things i'll be like all right i'll give that to you because i'm a little like every couple days i'm like yo this man is wild and but she said something else where she was just like i just figured it was kind of like a doctor that I, like a doctor i know that i work with who was a huge jerk 
Um, and you're not even sure how good he is at his thing, but he's so confident you like kind of trust him. And I was like, that literally makes no sense. Like that statement makes zero sense. But at the same time, I've listened to her enough that she feels like I'm going to care about it. It's like the idea that like you and I, all three of us aren't going to walk up and ask a stranger. The Like our success rate of asking a stranger about Jesus on the street is much lower than if it's someone that we care about enough to say like, Hey, maybe you made this bad life decision. And I've been, I've cared about you long enough to try to speak power to that. So it's like, Hey, we need to have actual relations with people. B, we need to have more relationships with people that are different than us. C, um, we need to be okay with being wrong. And D, we need to have nuance. And E, you really focus on truth and like be okay with the idea that like, just like when you're negotiating money wise, um, you're not going to win everything in that one conversation. It's never going to happen. And you're probably wrong about some of the stuff. Yeah. That's so good. Like so much. Oh my gosh. Earning yeah. the right to be heard. And, you know, you, you mentioned one thing, you mentioned power dynamics. And mm-hmm. one thing that I know I struggle with, because when, when we're talking about something like racism or sexism, you know, you obviously have that, that individual bias or prejudice, mm-hmm. but then you also have that power dynamic that's there. Mm-hmm. So like Kaylee and I were talking about redlining. Um, and if you're listening to this, you don't know what redlining is. Basically, they would draw, literally draw a red line on maps around communities. And in uh, Detroit, in one case, they literally built a wall to separate a, a, a black community poor from black a community, community from a white community. I don't think you understand. Black people are not, they're apparently worse than everybody else. So <laughs> why should they live somewhere else? Like, I, like, this is really bad. But honestly, if I get frustrated enough, this is what I always come down to. This is so bad. But either you think that this person is less of a person than you or you don't. If you think that they're less of a person than you, then it's okay for these things to happen to them. But if you don't, then you have to ask yourself, do I think that there's a character flaw that, that women should earn less than I do? Or are there factors that have done it? There's, there's no two, there's, it's one or the other. Right. Yeah. Do I think that black people are more violent and should go to prison more or this thing? Or like, it's just, there are all these things that like, I think when you pour it down, like what, like I have a like certain level that I think I've gotten better at where I'm just like, all right, we've gone enough in the, like the wackadoo area and we need to like address this. And so it, that's the thing that like, I, I'm going to, sorry, like I interrupted you. So you should keep asking your question, but that's like one thing that I always try to help myself. Like I try to stop myself with. It's like, all right, this has gone far enough. Either we think like, okay. Um, I like misgendered um, my friend. I've been like trying to make an effort to m- listen to trans friends more because I don't, fully understand like like there's a queer episode i watched recently they were talking about this um trans man transitioning and tan was talking about like i just don't understand why you do this to yourself it seems so expensive and so dangerous but like i also didn't understand what this meant to you to this point to be part of your identity and always just felt like why don't you just be comfortable with who you are and what you look like and like how wild of a statement that is right um just because like i think people can it's easier for us to be confused about certain things if we like never ever see them but now um spending time with specific people and making a mistake talking to them about it and being comfortable with being wrong and also being comfortable with not knowing what to say i think has helped remind me that like it can be confusing and difficult and weird um but it's either i think that this person's view of themselves is important or i don't there's like the it, and so it's either it's not important because I say it's not important or it's important because they say it's important. Like there are some things where it's not super gray. Like obviously there's other things that like 
can be difficult and confusing. But like, just as for example, if someone's like, oh, I don't think I don't think abortion's okay because it's in on some level, in my opinion, this is murder. Okay, that's fine. But if someone says, you know, these feminists just want to like murder babies and like sell baby parts, it's like, okay, well that that's not exactly true. And then if you say, okay, well, like, and I didn't think about it this way for a long time, but like Lydia and I talk about it, the idea of like how um, giving birth is treated in the economy and how a woman is treated in that economy and how you have to really be strategic about when you do these things, you can lose income, you can lose advancement opportunities, you can lose all this stuff. And someone's ability to have contraception and family planning allows them to better, honestly, better chase capitalism. And then if that person's like, well, that's just nonsense and I don't believe that, then it's like, okay, well, you have to make a decision. Yeah. You know, like there's <laughs> yeah. not, yeah. there's like, there, there, like you can. At some point, there's can, people who deny facts and deny truth. And yeah. That makes I it just, tough. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to move past a certain point in a conversation when you give a fact and someone just decides to ignore and deny that fact. Yeah, because you could say that, I, or we could have this conversation, and I could be like, okay, well, I still think it's murder. And you could say, okay, well, then maybe a common ground we could have is that contraception is free, and we have, like, more sex education. Then it's like, well, I don't think it's acceptable for us to be talking to kids about sex. Um, and it's like, okay, but in doing so, we recognize that data says in these places where people don't learn it, these pregnancies are higher, and, you know, these things happen. And then it's like, well, then the parents should talk about it. And it's like, okay. But there, there has to, we have to like make an environment where people have the best chance to be as equal as they can. If you give everyone, if you have everyone start at the same start point and people still don't do what they need to or whatever, then that's okay. But our goal shouldn't be to like praise people like that, the Kendall or whatever, whatever the generous thing that was like, look at the self-made, like built almost billionaire. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, and so like just listening wise, it's just recognizing that like everything is different. Today I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine who I'm really sad about because I feel like, you know, we went to this IB program together and he was the third black male, my friend Kendrick and I are the other two and Kendrick's in the air force. I live in New York and I'm working on stuff and you know, I feel like he's like stuck. And I asked him today, like, Hey man, like why, like, what are you doing? Like you still living at home, like all this stuff's going on. And, you know, I was like, you know, we, you grew up like down the street. I know where you live. Like, it's not like we have these like violently different things. Like you have two parents, I have one, like whatever. And he was like, you know what, man, you're right. But at the same time, like our current circumstances are different. And he, in not so many words, was trying to tell me that he was just really depressed and just understanding that like I had a level of expectation for him and I can speak that to him and tell him that I care about him. And he can tell me this is the reality of it. And I can listen. And then like, okay that's the end of the conversation like my, if my goal was to make him feel heard and try to empower him i did that if my goal was to make him a version of what i thought he should be then i didn't achieve that but like why should i have that in the first place yeah yeah i don't yeah i mean i think that most people go into conversations trying to change people mm -hmm. and i think like you said something in before in having conflict with each other that our premarital counselor taught us and it's and it's about you know you you don't go into a conversation trying to like shout the loudest. You go into a conversation trying to like hear the other person out. And then the other thing is like, sometimes it's human nature to like 
turn things around and like not get caught. And like, we have to actively fight against that. And that's what sometimes people do when you're like having conversations with them. So like, let's say like Aaron and I get into a fight and I'm like, Hey, Aaron, you did this thing that really bothered me. It's probably natural for Aaron to be like, yeah, well you did this other thing that really bothered me. And I think a lot of times we do that in these like political conversations. It's like, Oh, well I think, you know, abortion is wrong. And then the other person comes back. Well, I think, well, this, and then it just, it stems out of control. Whereas if the person, if one of the people just kind of redirected the conversation and say like, I see some truth in what you're saying, let's talk about that at another point in time, then the conversation can get back on track. And like, and I think from what, what both of you are saying from, from your friend, Andre and then Kaylee, what you're saying, it's kind of like, we have such a focus on the on the belief itself or the thought itself or the opinion itself or where a person is in life but if we can gear more towards well why do you believe that or what things in your life have led you to this point instead of hey this is where you are you need to be somewhere else or this is what you believe you need to believe another way if we can get and again it goes back to everything you were saying before when you have that relationship and they trust you you trust them there's probably going to be a, a higher probability that mm. you're going to be able to get to the root of, okay, well, here are the things that in your life that led to this place where you are, or here are the experiences in your life that have led to this belief that you hold that I disagree with. But now that I see kind of the route you took to get there, I still may probably don't agree, but there's a little bit more understanding there. Yeah. And it's also okay. I think the other thing is just like with a negotiation, you have to be okay with like, all right, you might not get everything you want, but also like, Sometimes you got to say no. Yeah. Um, there was a thing, I was a job I really kind of wanted to do and it offered me a lot of money earlier this week, but my, my agent and I talked about it and like the, the implication it would have for my work was too strong in a way that like, it was, a, it like, it just wasn't worth it. And I think that the one thing that I try to stress to people is like, people now are like, well, like, are we really not going to be friends? Cause we like disagree with like, like political things and it's like yeah to a certain degree because there are some things that like it's okay it, i'm fine with someone saying you know this i think this is murder okay i'm also okay with someone saying like i think the bible says that gay marriage is wrong if someone said that i'd be like okay but if my if my family comes from jamaica where like they used to like kill gay people straight up just kill them in the street and they're just kind of like yeah do whatever you want and my mom is cool with it then you can be cool with it does that make sense so yeah. I think that um, there are certain things that like are absolute no's for me. And I think mm-hmm. if you can go into a conversation and know where those are, ask yourself why they're super important and hold those true to yourself. Then like sometimes you, it, it can be nice enough for you to say, all right, like I've heard you and we've talked about this, but like, I just personally, I'm trying, I'm thinking of a specific example. Like if for some for me for example if someone is like a big blue lives matter person we're done it's not a conversation we're having like i'm sorry and it's not it look i get it it's hard to be a police officer it's dangerous and you know people are going to have bad days but a sing once again like a micro moment isolated can look bad but understanding a system in a macro is really important mm-hmm. and then to use a a blue lives thing, which is like a chosen, like you choose to do that. You don't choose to be black. Um, you as like a, a form of belittling it is just something that I like cannot be cool with. And so saying like, all right, I, I understand what you're saying, 
or I, I think I get what you're saying. I, I understand why you think that this is a similar thing. It's not. Um, and I don't hate you. I just don't think that this, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and being able to say that in a calm way, but also really tiny tidbit I want to add. When you're in an argument, and I'm sure you guys know this, a lot of dudes do this to to women where they'll be like, they'll be like, I can't believe we're arguing. And this guy's like, I'm not like, we're not arguing. because You're the only one arguing because I'm not yelling. Don't do that. That's like one of the worst things. It's like this way to belittle the person who's like obviously more passionate about what's going on. And it's a way to like regain power in the conversation. It's a way that I think is really gross. Um, in a way so that shames the other it. person because I feel yeah. like when I, I get really impassionate whenever I feel strongly about something and people have done that to me before and, and, it, and it feels shameful. Like on my end, like I feel ashamed. Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. I hate – I witnessed it somewhat recently and I was very upset that that person said this to the other person because like an argument doesn't mean your voice is raised. <laughs> that's That's not what it is but like trying their very best to like listen and obviously like we'll get mad and like mock each other and like do certain things but like just it figure out what your goal is in the conversation if your goal if you realize that like your goal is to change this person you know you want to change that person it might not be it might be time to not have that relationship anymore not because you're like not okay with having dissenting opinion but like recognizing that there's just some things that if this person believes this thing and you've kind of stated your fact and they stated theirs and this is something that you believe is like a life or life or death way that you interact, then like, that's okay. You don't, it's like, I think when we were kids, the idea of being like, we can't be friends anymore is like this, like death, like, like death <laughs> note thing. Like if you had a child and they're like, I'm not going to talk to Kaylee anymore. And you're like, yo, you have to go to elementary, middle school and high school, Kaylee. So like, calm down. Yeah. Um, now we're like adults and you know, I, I admit that the danger of this is kind of swinging the other, other direction where you, no one disagrees with you. I'm not saying that. But I think that if you can, if you speak truth to something and you really truly feel it's truth, it's not just like your wild opinion about something. Um, and you and this person talk about it and you feel like you can't hit an accord, it's okay to just walk away from the table. It's not bad. It's just, well, it's empowering. Understanding. Yeah. My, my, I've had this conversation with my therapist before and she's told me two things, which essentially you're saying the same thing. And one is like, what is the end result? Like, what is the, intended outcome mm -hmm. of this conversation what mm -hmm. do i want to happen and then what is the very best version that can happen of this and what is the worst version that can happen of this and am i okay with the worst version of this and if i am then that's a conversation that like i'm willing to have and then also like knowing that like we're in charge of our own lives if i am really hurt by someone and don't want to talk to them anymore that's my choice. And I have that mm -hmm. choice because mm -hmm. like I'm empowered to do that. And so mm -hmm. it's just like about empowering ourselves and then realizing that like we do have this, like we have the ability to walk away if time and time again, people are jerk faces to us and, mm -hmm. and we don't feel like dealing with that anymore. We're oh, not saying totally. that to do that in every situation, but like you have the power to do that and it's okay to have that power and to like think about that and to like think about what intent do I have in this conversation and, and do I want to walk away? Oh, totally. Like I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Actually, no, she'd be super mad if I talked about that. She's a very <laughs> private person. I was about to say this thing and I was like, nope, because she will hear this and she will be furious. So I would think of a different example. Um, I mean, I think it's particularly interesting like when you think about or when I think about like like um there's a there's a woman i know who is like kind of famous because of 
couple years ago, she was like a big person. She was like a times like hundred top 100 person, like a couple years ago for Gamergate, which was this thing where like, I honestly still don't fully understand it, but basically like a bunch of women were harassed um, under this, like there was a woman who was a journalist and some things came out that were like accusing her of sleeping with people so that, or maybe she was a game developer. So people would review her game. And so it became this huge thing where all the, these dudes were just trying to like say that women in gaming were like ruining it and doing all this dumb stuff. And I think that there is times when like it re- things certainly do impact your safety and there's times when something impacts you like your mental stability. So like yeah. safety wise, you know, I, I really don't think as a whole as men, we really think about how we can have like just little tiny things that can be misogynist that go all the way to like these really large dangerous things. And so I always try to stop myself if I feel like I'm going to be like that girl's acting crazy or being weird or like, it's like, I don't want to talk to you. And just recognizing that there's like times and moments and things that like I don't have to constantly be talked over. I'm not constantly being disrespected or paid less or being assumed that I'm having sex with people for like things to happen to me. And so if you're on the, if I'm on the other end of that, just realizing that like maybe this is a mistake by this person, they don't want to talk to me, or there's something that I did and I need to figure that out, or this just doesn't work, you know? And that's okay. And that one in particular, I think really stands out to me because I think that like, it does surprise me, even the things that I can like catch myself thinking or things that like I'll hear come out of other dudes mouths. I'm like, yo, like, nah, son, that's not it. And so, yeah, I mean, all these conversations can go ways and we can learn things from them. And I'm not really sure what our goals in life should be. But I think that I just want to leave kind of understanding things a little bit better so that I can like just get why people make the decisions that they do. Um, because I think that, that that's like a really powerful and important thing. And so I think trying to remind myself of that and try, like trying not to win conversations. Um, that's really important. has been really helpful yeah. Yeah. trying to not win. But I mean, right. obviously people say wild stuff and you get mad. Like last <laughs> night I got an argument with my friends about whether or not one of my friends, her coworkers kid, was wearing her she was like putting on what she was gonna wear to camp and sleeping in it so she'd wake up and go to camp and one of my friends was like i wouldn't care and i was like that's disgusting like camp clothes are disgusting like i that's not going into bed and then we it ended up being this a like, huge discussion among me and my other intelligent friends for like 45 minutes about bacteria and air <laughs> and all these other things that were not important whatsoever yeah it's <laughs> so funny so uh, we're, oh, we were talking about redlining, and Kayla and I were talking. About oh yeah, that. yeah. Um, so like when when we're talking about uh, racism, sexism, you has the you have the individual prejudice, but then you also have that that power dynamic. So like if if I go to get a loan, and the loan officer doesn't give give me a loan because he doesn't like Mexicans, then there I, I don't really care why he's racist, I care that he has power over me and his racism is pushing him to use that power towards oppression. So when I, when I think about talking with people, one thing I, I struggle with and I'm trying to figure out kind of where the balance is, you know, there's, there's the side of, okay, we, we need to understand each other. We need to see the humanity in each other. And then on the other side of that, like there's some some systems of oppression there's some power struggles that that need to be disruptive so how how do you balance that or can you balance that is it just two different approaches 
can you wrap them kind of together? You know, how, how does that, how does that balance? In terms of out? when I talk about it or just how I think about it? I think how you, how you talk about it and then how you kind of act it out. Yeah. Act, act out when trying to rectify some of these things. Okay. So I'll give a couple examples. Uh, when I was in middle school, there was a girl that I sat next to in Spanish class. Her name was Carly Kinlaw, and she was so beautiful. I was obsessed with her. And we sat next to each other because our names, her name was Kinlaw, my name was Leroux, and it was whatever. And, oh, actually, I probably shouldn't say her name. Whatever. Her dad is wild racist. And when I was, like, in seventh grade, I didn't realize this, but he, like, actually, like, I didn't realize it at the moment, but, like, I thought he, like, just didn't want his daughter to, like, have a ton of male friends. But then later he clarified by saying many pejoratives. Um, to myself and this other Mexican American kid about how he didn't want his daughter around blanks and blanks and blanks. And so like that sucks, right? Like it was weird and like I mean I knew enough to not tell my mom about it until like, a couple years ago and she was really upset. Or like I dated a girl in college and as we were dating and like going to crew together and going to church together, like as it progressed more her family was like, Oh no, like we don't like black people. And it was first like kind of tame and then it just progressed into this like maelstrom of terribleness. And so those things suck in terms of like, like, you know, they suck in an individual moment. And what they probably say is like, you know, we either think that like black, black skin is ugly or we think that your earning potential is lower or like there's a lot of things there. But in the micro, they're like they're they suck, but they're not like this crippling thing that's dangerous. A thing that's dangerous is when my mom was we were. Uh, when I was in second grade, the teacher was like, hey, we should get Andre tested for gifted. And my mom went after school one day and the administrator who was there was like, she was like, hey, well, do you need to get my son t tested for gifted? And she was like, the lady, like, for some reason thought this was funny, which is super weird. I'm like trying to run this through my brain. I don't know how this happened, but basically that happened. And this lady was just like, refused to give my mom this exam for whatever reason, or like schedule me for it. Yeah, it's, it's strange when I run that back, but that's important because then that would deny me the opportunity to do certain things in an education setting, which would then deny me the opportunity for earning potential, which would then make start to make true those assumptions that the other people's families had about black people in the first place. So that's where it's like a dangerous kind of cycle. Um, so I always try to think of it like, like it's kind of boiled back to what I said, like either I think that there's a flaw in myself or in you or in you or that there are specific things that have happened that way, like that have, or specific factors that have caused this um, or caused this, which then created a perception, which has then perpetuated it. Um, I read this Vox article a while ago. That I completely forgot about that talked about why so many laundromats um, and like restaurants are owned by like Chinese American immigrants and like what led to that. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is so interesting. Um, I don't remember any of it, but it's super worth a read. And so basically it's constantly trying to understand in my mind, how the micro is a reflection of the macro and how the macro really messes a lot of things up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, I try to give my self perspective on it. Um, I mean, some things happen. Like I've obviously been pulled over police officers a lot of times and some of the interactions are really weird. Like my least favorite one actually wasn't, there have been one time when there was like a gun drawn and that was scary. But the time that was the weirdest was when I was at UF. One time the police were doing like security stops or I don't know what it was. They just stopped me. And I went to get my wallet when he asked for um, like identification and my UFID fell out first. And he was just like, oh, never mind. And I was like, wait, what's, what does that mean? <laughs> it was super weird, right? Um, and so in that sense, in his mind, 
this person is educated, so he's like a good black person. Um, and so that has its own issues. And so th- there's one side of that, which is the micro level, like, you know, thank God I didn't like have to get arrested or anything for any reason. But on the macro level, that's like, you know, education and poverty and violence go hand in hand. And why is it that disproportionately people of color have less access to it? And so there's, there's, and there's, there's a direct correlation to our attitude toward it, towards immigration and towards affirmative action with the concept of like people from disenfranchised groups catching up. Right. Um, and so like, just trying to remember that when I'm like getting annoyed or like trying to say something that like all these things are interrelated, but like sometimes one offs or one offs, but more importantly, they're usually a reflection of something larger and specific. Yeah. Yeah. So is there like, is there, is there a level? I mean, we, we kind of talked about it before, but like, is there a line where it's like, okay, you have oppressed me enough. Like I'm not, I'm not going to, it's not that like you're throwing civility out the window, but it's like, I'm not going to stand by and take this oppression any longer. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to fight for myself and I'm going to like not accept what you're doing to me and the treatment that you're giving me. Is there a certain point where it's like, okay, this is done. Like now. If it's a micro person. Yeah. But on a macro level, there's some things you just got to do. Like that guy can be racist, but I'm gonna get this loan. So (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get the towels, bro. Like that's cute that you don't like black people, whatever. Like that's your own business. Um, and so I think it's, it's just drawing the line between, is this something I need in my life? And, um, can I just shake my head and like be irritated in silence? Or is this something that I need to like talk to this person about? Um, because there are, there is a line and like, obviously everyone deserves respect and deserves, um, to have all the equal opportunities of other people. But for me personally, I think that there are times when something happens and I'm just like, this is weird. That thing you said was strange. I'm going to ignore it because I need to get this thing so I can do this other thing that I want to do. Um, and so I think that the line just depends on the relationship. Like I will do, I will try not to mess up my money generally, but if someone's like wilding out, then, you know, that's something specific. But, um, for the most part, I just don't, I just, I think that there's a case by case basis. Um, for the most part, you shouldn't let people disrespect you. But if there is a certain amount of something that you're doing or like money that needs to be made or whatever, then you just got to do what you have to do. Um, until you have the ability, like, there's a difference. Like, if you are an assistant on Bill O'Reilly's set and he's sexually harassing you, allegedly, uh, um, then I think that you need to leave because of your safety. Yeah. Um, if you are on a set and someone is just always like, God, women are so crazy and are, like, always trying to have babies and they suck but you know that you need to sit somewhere long enough to like get what you need to go where you got to go. Then sometimes it's just really drawing that line. It just depends on the person in the situation. Yeah. Um, but generally if it's a micro level and it's more detached from macro, I'm pro like speaking to it. If it's a macro, you just have to weigh the options, not because your personal experience isn't important, but because your ability to increase your earning potential and increase your visibility won't outweigh it, but might give you the opportunity to then like really destroy it um, on a different level is my opinion. But that, that can be 
kind of. I think that's together. that's pretty wise, and I yeah. I think that that speaks very well to the point. Yeah. Um, Andre, what yeah. new projects do you have coming up? How can people find you and follow you, and what can they expect when they do? Um, new projects. Actually, um, one of my friends was talking about that's clean. Um, one of my friends was talking to me about uh, the concept of an expiration date in New York, and I've been playing with this idea of like a project where I take pictures of people at night in their apartments to talk about like when they've like gotten exhausted of the city. Um, yeah, so I I don't know. I don't have anything burningly specific coming up, but I right now I'm trying to like I have one tiny project I have in mind called Little Little Drummer Boy that I'm going to work on that I'm excited about. That is like very confusing. So like I'll wait and show it to you guys at first. Um, <laughs> but um, I think before the year is over, I have a couple ideas. I want to do a project with my friend Jeremy, who is um, grew up in I forget what Jewish youth groups called now, but a little project called about uh, called like youth group or youth service, just about like maybe how our perceptions of religion have impacted us. Because yeah. like there's some things that kind of shot out from stories from here that really stood out to me. So like in an interview I did with Jessica Zolomon, Jay Zombie, the lady with the pink hair on stories from here, she talks about how like being Jewish is all about like your community building and like how it's less about like worshiping God and more about just like how you can be present for each other. Yeah. Um, and that's really interesting because then she said that led her to really focus on community type roles and jobs. And I found that really fascinating. So um, I think it'd be kind of a fun way to do like a dumb take on those like old um, like prayer photos would be super funny. Yeah. But, um, I'm just trying to like figure out small things and I keep, I keep trying to rush myself into getting a job, but my Adobe mentor, as well as my mom's like money advisor and a couple of other people have told me that have small businesses, like you should let the year ride out and work on what comes to you and work on some other things. Um, so I am going to try to just spend the rest of the year, like working on small projects and just like taking little things here and there. But yeah, follow me on, I think, uh, Twitter and, and Instagram are really important to me. Facebook, I'm trying to like figure out what's going to happen next because it can kind of be a war zone. But yeah. Instagram, I'm just going to keep trying to put out interesting stuff. And then I need to actually supposed to start doing video content after this. I'm supposed to write a little um, pitch from to my uh, one of my companies I work with sometimes about how to do the darker skin tone stuff for mobile photography. Oh, that's oh. cool. And, so yeah, I mean, spell your name we'll for everybody so that they because oh, you spell Andre, Andre. differently. It's A U N D R E, and then my last name's Larrow L A R R O W. So in a perfect world, I would have at Andre on Twitter, but this guy has it, and he's really nice, but he will not give it to me. I even offered him money, <laughs> and he won't take it. Wow. And he just tweets about the not Cowboys budget. like every like two weeks. I'm like, dude, no one cares about the Cowboys. Like, come on. <laughs> All right, so that was part two of our conversation with Andre Leroux. Um, just such a good guy to get to know a little bit and talk with him. And like we said, he just he just brings in a lot of, uh, of really great insight and perspective on these things. And, and Kaylee, I know the one of the parts that really jumped out to us, and you, you could hear it <laughs> in yeah. how he responded right when he was saying it during the conversation, where he had these five points of what's really important when trying to have tough conversations. Kind of a breakdown of, you know, steps to take, 
things to remember while you're having difficult conversations with people, whether it's a difficult conversation about, you know, race or, or whether it's just, you know, a difficult conversation standing up for yourself with your boss or to your mom or whoever. I think these are all things to keep in mind. So we're going to go over those five points again. So get out your pen and paper. You're definitely going to want to write these down. Um, so the first thing he talks about is actual relationships with people. So building a relationship because that just gives you more credibility when you are speaking into someone's life. And, and I think a big part of that, the we can't gloss over actual relationships. So this isn't just an acquaintance. This isn't, you know, something where you talk every now and then, like the, it, that's where things start. But when you really are able to start to build that deeper relationship and understand the experiences that, some, that a person has had and the philosophies or the vantage point, the perspectives that, they, that they're bringing to the table, that is all part of having an actual relationship. And that is all part of having a little bit of a deeper understanding of why someone may have a different point of view than you or a different belief than you. Uh, it all starts with that actual relationship, which does take a lot of time and it does take a lot of effort. Yeah. This isn't something where like you, you have dinner with a friend once and you know you disagree with them. And so the only reason that you're having dinner with them is so that you can say you have a relationship in order to confront them on the area that you disagree. That, that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about genuinely wanting to get to know someone, enjoying their company. And then after a little bit, if you feel called and, and you feel like you need to say something, bringing it up in a way that is, that is really humble and kind of jumping down to point three being okay with being wrong. Uh, that's the third point that he makes. So when you do build those relationships and you do have that conversation, those are important things to keep in mind. But then point two is even in those relationships, building relationships with people that are different from you, people that have different life experiences, that come from different backgrounds, that are different political parties, that look different, that talk different. I think that's so important in, in a world where it's really easy to just be in this society that's just this homogenous society where you only talk and, and are around and associate with people like you. There's this really cool uh, podcast that I listen to called Invisibilia where they talk about we have our bubbles, you know, and I think you spoke to this point last week, Aaron, you know, we wake up, we go to work, we eat at the same places, we go to church at the same places, we shop at the same places. We don't really ever get out of our bubble. And so you don't really ever interact with people who are all that different from you. So set a goal for yourself, make a point once a week to go grocery shopping on the other side of town or go to the cafe that's not in your neighborhood that you normally wouldn't go to just to experience different cultures, different people. And then once you do that, start building those actual relationships with those people that are different from you. And, and that's really, I mean, those are really good practical steps uh, of just kind of getting out of your normal routine and going to places you normally wouldn't go. And I think that the second point and, and the steps that Kaylee was talking about, they feed into the third point, which Andre said was, we need to be okay with being wrong. The more we expose ourselves to different people and different experiences and different thoughts and vantage points, the more open we're going to be to, to being wrong. I think right now, just culturally, we're not very open to being wrong. We think, well, this is how it is. I've got it all figured out. Uh, and we kind of have blinders on. And that, that goes for me and Kaylee and for everybody. 
Um, so I think when you when you do start to build those actual relationships with people that are different from you, that's going to open up your heart to, well, maybe I, I am wrong, or, or at the very least, maybe I have some blind spots that I didn't realize people had these experiences. And that's going to open you up to, to different viewpoints as well. I think it, it kind of goes back to like opening yourself up to questioning. And, I, and we talked about it in one of our podcasts where questioning yourself and questioning the, the things that you view as reality, that's not a sign of a weak faith. In fact, the fact that you're able to open yourself up for questioning is actually a sign of a really strong faith in something that's, that's um, very powerful and that, and that can help you in your faith, actually, to allow yourself to be open to this self-questioning because then you're going to learn more and study more on that topic to really find the truth of the matter. Um, and I think that that isn't, I, I think that only good can come from those things. No question. So the, the first three, it was building actual relationships with people. The second point was more relationships with people that are different from us. The third point, we need to be okay with being wrong. And then the fourth point is we need to work on understanding nuance. And I think lots of, of issues or debates or things that people, hot button topics, those sort of thing, it, it, it's almost like everything is cut and dry. You have to be on this side, you have to be on the left of it, or you have to be on the right of it. And we've talked about that before with respect to, you know, Black Lives Matter. It doesn't mean you hate police officers if you're for Black Lives Matter, you know, vice versa. Um, so understanding nuance is really important. Kaylee and I were actually watching something this morning. From Trevor Noah. Yeah, they were yeah. talking. He was interviewing, and we'll have to look up the her name and, and post it a little bit later, but she's a feminist, and she talked about how if you're a feminist, that doesn't mean you're against femininity. It doesn't mean you think femininity, femininity is bad. Uh, and the first thing I thought of when I was hearing that is that that's a nuanced vantage point to look at this, and it's something where people don't really see it as that. They don't see any gray areas. There's, it's either, you know, you are feminist, that means you are against any kind of thing that's feminine or in that aspect, or you're on the other side of it where you think just feminist is, is dumb and there's no, there's no reason for that and that sort of thing. Yeah. So just essentially that the, the, there, there is nuance. We don't have to go around labeling people and perspectives by their, you know, by what they look like or, or their perspectives. You know, people can have an opinion that you don't share that, that is nuanced. They can believe one thing and not believe this other thing. And that's perfectly okay. And that's why building those relationships with them is so important because then it opens yourself up to understanding that nuance. And then, and then the last thing is, is the truth, you know, seeking truth and being around people that talk about truth um, and, and, and not like truth in, in a way that's like, this is my truth, but like truth of real experiences, real things that have happened, people's real life, that, that, those are, you know, people like to throw around these facts and, and to me, I think that there's a little bit of a difference between facts because facts can be skewed and they can be taken out of context. But truth is facts plus context. Yeah, no question. And, and you know, I think <laughs> I, lots of times I fall back to sports examples and sports analogies. So sorry if you're not if you're not a sports fan. 
Um, but say, you know, there's somebody who only has, you know, five at bats, gets two hits and says, well, I'm a 400 hitter. If you're not a sports fan, you don't like baseball, 400 hitters, that's like unheard of. That's something where you're on a next level of skills if you're a 400 hitter. If that person says, I'm a 400 hitter, that's true. Like, that's a fact. You're hitting 400. But in the context of what that really means, it's really not true. That person isn't this amazing hitter that they just can have a 400 batting average. So there definitely is a difference where, or you can use facts that aren't really telling the whole story, aren't really telling the truth. So, and, and like Kaylee was, say, was saying, it's not your truth. So if you, if you are holding fast to an idea you have, then like Andre said in, in our conversation, maybe ask yourself, you know, why is that so true to you? Why is that the hill that you want to die on? And maybe, you know, you ask yourself those questions and you get to the root of everything and nothing changes and, and that's fine. But it, it's understanding and trying to not be scared, like Kaylee also said, to ask questions and tough questions about why you believe what you believe. And sometimes what you hold in your mind was something to be, well, yeah, that's, this is just true. After you start to ask a lot of questions and maybe, well, Maybe that's actually not, you know, the capital T truth of it. So again, those five things, build actual relationships with people, more relationships with people that are different from us. We need to be okay with being wrong. Number four is understanding nuance. And number five is really focusing on truth. Uh, and I think the last point that we just wanted to bring up, and Andre mentioned a couple of different times, is the importance of not shaming people. Especially in these tough conversations, I think that, um, it's really easy to bring condemnation and, and to, to judge and to bring this, you know, wrath upon people and, and, and get really angry and frustrated. But I think part of the reason that, that all of those steps are important is because the person you're talking to, whether you believe their opinion is right or wrong, like they're a person, they have feelings, they, they are a human being. And it's not okay to shame them. It's not okay to, to make uh, a woman feel crazy or to, to even use that word when, when talking about women to say, oh, she's crazy, just because that's something that, that brings shame upon, upon women. That's something that like women feel bad about. And when you use those words, you're acting crazy or this is crazy. One, like that does a huge injustice to, to, the mental, the mentally ill people of this world, like a, a woman, maybe you don't think she's acting logically. There's a big difference between illogical and crazy. And, and those are two very, very different things. Um, so not shaming people in that way. Also just, just not shaming people in general, like not telling someone that, that they're the problem. I think that's, that's a, I think that's the key component of shame is making someone feeling like they are the problem. So in a conversation that you're bringing up with someone, like allowing yourself to be empathetic towards them, even when you are bringing up, like if I'm saying to you, like, Aaron, you did this and that really hurt my feelings. You are not the problem. That action is the thing that hurt my feelings. And I think shame goes a step further and it makes that person believe that they are the problem, which is really, really not helpful. And when, when you're talking from, or having a conversation about um, political issues or something like that, when, when you 
when you go the route of trying to shame someone from on top of the of the the part that is completely true what Kaylee is saying like that's just not like we shouldn't treat people that way we need to see the humanity on the other side and not try to shame them in the way that makes them feel bad just from a, a moral upstanding person standpoint but at the same time that that's probably not going to further your cause like when you shame someone they're they're probably not going to be like oh yeah i was being an idiot you're so right i believe what you believe now that's probably not going to happen it's probably just going to make them really angry and it's kind of a power move yeah I've, to I've, shame someone is a power move it's like it's like putting someone down to elevate yourself to make yourself try to be the winner and that's and that's something i remember reading uh, I use exa this example a lot, but I, I read uh, Nelson Mandela's autobiography, A Long Road to Freedom, I think it's called. And, and he talks about how if you're having a conversation with someone or a discussion or argument with someone, if you put yourself on a higher moral ground, even though you might be right, if you put yourself on a higher moral ground and talk to someone from that perspective or that angle, it's not going to help things. It's not going to help the cause. It's not going to make that person more likely to understand where you're coming from. It's going to do the opposite. It's going to make someone throw up a wall. So it, it can be really hard because there are things right now, there are things that are going on in our country that are having lots of very real, tangible, negative effects on people especially people on the margins. So it can be very hard to, to not get angry and not to go straight to shaming someone. But the more you can pull back from that, the more you can resist that urge that is a very natural urge, you're going to make it more likely that it, at the very least, a person is not going to get angry back at you and put up walls and make it so no productive conversation can be had. I think that's so true, Aaron. And, and a part of what you said got me really excited for um, our next podcast and who we're going to be talking to there. We're going to be talking to uh, a friend from school that I knew, um, Ayana and her husband, Wagner. They are super, super cool. They have really, really good things to say. They definitely get into a lot of nuance in their conversation. Um, so I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear their story. Again, go follow Andre on social media. He's a really cool follow. He's he's a super cool guy, and he's got some a, a lot of really cool projects coming up in the future. And also, if you want to go to beautysaves.org and click on uh, episode two, which is part one with Andre, we have a bunch of links on there where you can go to his website, the website for several of his projects that he's worked on. Um, so check him out. Give him a follow on social media. Like we said, he's, he's a really good guy just to know as a friend and also to, to get some really good perspective and insight uh, on some, some human issues that have a lot of nuance to them. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are active on Twitter. It's Beauty Saves Org on Twitter. That's uh, where you can follow us as well as uh, downloading this podcast on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Um, and thank you again so much for listening. If you got some help today from this or you found it interesting, definitely share it with a friend. We'd be really grateful. All right. So that's it for this episode of Seeking Peace by Beauty Saves. Have a great week, guys.